Once, he was as great as his fame made him. His knowledge was deep, his thought was subtle, and his hands marvelously skilled, and he had a power over the minds of others. The wise he could persuade, and the smaller folk he could daunt. That power he certainly still keeps. There are not many in Middle-earth that I should say were safe if they were left alone to talk with him, even now when he has suffered a defeat. Gandalf, Elrond, and Galadriel perhaps, now that his wickedness has been laid bare, but very few others. Hey there, gang. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And we are Keep On on Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Welcome Welcome to or welcome back. Yes, episode 80. 8-0. We are just trudging along, my friends. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, this is our part three of our trilogy, Assholes Through the Ages. That's right. Let's start off with our usual announcements. Don't forget to go check out the new merch store. That's keep-on-token-podcast.tmail.com. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff on there. Made by Trevor himself. Yay. Check it out. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, we love it. Check it out, guys. So like we said, today is going to be part three of our Assholes Through the Ages trilogy. Today, we're going to be covering the Third Age. Yeah. And who is our asshole of the Third Age? Saruman. Saruman. I like saying it like it's a last name. Saruman. 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 What would his uh, first name be? Many, Sar- many people know George. him as uh, Saruman the White. Saruman the White. That's uh, exactly. George Saruman? George, George Saruman. Saruman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Briefly, who is Saruman? So George Saruman is chief <laughs> of the wizards <laughs> who took up residence in Isengard famously. He was the head of the White Council that opposed Sauron. And he's known for betraying the free peoples of Middle-earth. A common theme. common theme that runs throughout this. This trilogy. This particular trilogy. It's getting some fun names. How about that? Yeah. So we've got Saruman. Most people know him by. That's uh, a managed translation of the Quenya name, his Quenya name, Kurumo. But uh, in the real world, Saruman is actually in uh, a dialect of Anglo-Saxon for man of skill or cunning. Nice. And we've also got Sharku, uh, which just means old man. Yeah. That's uh, black speech for old man. Good. And then we got uh, Sharky, which is a Manish translation of Sharku, of course. Kurinir, that is uh, a Sindarin name for skilled man or cunning one. Kurumo, or Kurumo, which is Quenya for skilled man or cunning one. We've got Terendor, which is Quenya for wise-minded man. That guy took DBT. He's wise-minded. Wise-minded. People who took DBT therapy will get that joke. (laughs) Then we've got some of his more generic titles. We've got Saruman the Wise, Saruman the White, Saruman of Many Colors. The White Wizard, the White Messenger, and Jailer of Mordor. There you go. He's a jailer. He's got a lot of names. A lot of names. Known as 
Yeah, a lot of things. Now, of all of our ha- assholes in this trilogy, Saruman is going to be a little unique just because he's technically a Maiar. He's not just like a... Yeah, he's an angelic asshole. Yeah, he's not yeah. just like an elf or a man. He's yeah. he's on a different tier. He's so. on a whole other level of assholery. So let's get into his origins. He goes way back. Yeah, as a Maya, Saruman was created by Ilovatar before the music of the Ainur. In his early days in Valinor, he went by the name uh, Kurumo or Tarandor. And like Sauron, he was a powerful Maya of Aule. After the Valar discovered the elves at Quivienen, as you might remember, uh, Kuruma was one of the five guardians sent to protect the elves from the forces of Melkor. Yeah, it was unclear how long he remained or if he accompanied the Eldar throughout the entirety of that great journey westward, but uh, he, he was one of their guardians for a while. And we have an excerpt here from The Nature of Middle-Earth. He dates by Danny. The Valar sent five guardians, great spirits of the Maiar, with Melian, the only woman in chief. These make six. The others were Terendor, later Saruman, Ulrin, Gandalf, Hravendil, Radagast, and Palacendo and Hymenar. Hell yeah. Gotta throw out the two blue wizards always. Well, cool I don't know if those are the. That's not, I don't know if they're the same as the blue wizards. They just oh, name no. them that because I think okay. if they were the blue wizards, they would say you know they were the blue wizards. So I think these are two different. When I found that, I, that's what I assumed that they were two different. Um, I are okay. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm guessing you guys haven't seen those names anywhere else. No, no, that was my first time seeing those in the nature of Middle Earth today. Okay, yeah, those are pretty. I mean, they're pretty cool names. Yeah, I had never seen Hra- uh, Hravendil either or Terrandor for that matter. Yeah, all these names are new. Check out that his, that nature of Middle-earth, guys. There's a lot of cool information in there. So after the defeat of Morgoth at the end of the First Age, the Valar grew concerned about the rising power of Sauron in Middle-earth. Yeah, in Valinor, a council was called by Manwe where it was decided to send Maiar as emissaries to Middle-earth to help the free peoples challenge Sauron. Well, the council likely met in the middle of the Second Age, shortly after the creation of the Rings of Power. Hmm... And the council determined that these emissaries, who became known as the Istari or Wizards, should be, <clears throat> in a quote, mighty peers of Sauron, yet they should forego might and clothe themselves in flesh so as to treat on equality and win the trust of elves and men. Yeah, they're supposed to be friendly characters. Yeah, not uh, intimidating. Yeah, Kurumo, who was sent to the council by Auli, volunteered to travel to Middle-earth as one of these new emissaries, and he was appointed the first of the Istari, the wizards, and became chief of their order. We've got an excerpt here from the Unfinished Tales, the Istari, read by Trevor. Wizard is a translation of Quenya, Istar, Sindarin, Ithran, one of the members of an order, as they called it, claiming to possess and exhibiting eminent knowledge of the history and nature of the world. Yeah, so that's kind of the uh, definition of a wizard in Tolkien there for you. Very cool. So even before arriving in Middle-earth, Karumo begrudged his fellow Istari. Already starting to display some assholish qualities. Right, right off the bat. Karumo was one of those who volunteered. Olorin, later known as Gandalf, was commanded to go by Manway. Because he was afraid. We've talked about that before, right? He's afraid of Sauron. Right. He, was, he, he had uh, uh, understandable fear. Healthy fear, the dude. And it was, at, it was from this point that Kurumo began to be jealous of Olorin due to Varda's decision to insist on sending Olorin. 
Yeah, Kurumo was also charged to take Eowendil, also known as Radagast, along with him to please Yavanya. And Kurumo did not like this. Nope. So this also led to contempt for Radagast the Brown. <laughs> I hate just, him too. He just fucking hates everybody. And the others who were chosen were uh, Alatar and Palando, the two blue wizards. Yeah, I wonder and if all he together was... they make the five Istari. I wonder if he's cool with the blue wizards. Like that, like half-baked, remember? Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. <laughs> fuck you. You two are pretty cool. Yeah, you two are pretty cool. <laughs> So, uh, hold on. So, we're saying that Radagast has two different names. He's called Iwendel here, but this quote up here was... And then Ravdir, too, yeah. remember? Yeah, Ravendil. Yeah, Ravendil yeah, or whatever, yeah. Man, it's man. I can't believe Tolkien would have more than one or two names for something. It's crazy. That's so... <laughs> yeah, so weird. Unheard of. That's so out of character. Out of character for him. Well, we have a good quote to at least sum up the Istar. We're going to have it from Joel. It's from the Unfinished Tales, the Istari. For with the consent of Eru, they sent members of their own high order, but clad in bodies as of men, real and not feigned, but subject to the fears and pains and weariness of earth, able to hunger and thirst and be slain. Though because of their noble spirits they did not die, and aged only by the cares and labors of many long years. And this the Valar did, desiring to amend the error of old, especially that they attempted to guard and seclude the Eldar by their own might and glory fully revealed, whereas now their emissaries were forbidden to reveal themselves in forms of majesty, or to seek to rule the wills of men or elves by open display of power. But coming in shapes weak and humble were bidden to advise and persuade men and elves to good, and to seek to unite and love and understand all those whom Sauron, should he come again, would endeavor to dominate and corrupt. Fuck yeah. I love that quote. This is some like, uh, th I love this um, because of this, this really seemed like some hippie shit here. And we're going to be talking about hippies and Tolkien in the next episode we do actually. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. We'll talk about S that later. Stay tuned. But yeah, it says to seek, to unite in love and understanding all those whom Sauron would come, if he could, should come again, would endeavor to dominate and corrupt. Yeah. All in love and understanding. Just bring people together to oppose Sauron. Yeah. Bring people together with peace, love, and understanding. That's some yes. hippie shit. That's some hippie shit. Yeah, it's a good way to bind, bind, bind people together, right? Yeah, exactly. Stand up against the man. Through Solidarity is one of the themes of Tolkien. Right, right. Through, through positive positive things, good feelings. Yeah. yeah. Things that you want to have, not through fear. It's <laughs> domination. <laughs> well, let's get into a little bit of Saruman's life in Middle-earth. So Saruman was the first of the five wizards to arrive in Middle-earth in about the year uh, 1000 of the Third Age. We have an excerpt here from the Unfinished Tales, read by Danny. The first to come was one of noble mien and bearing. With raven hair and a fair voice, he was clad in white. Great skill he had in works of hand, and he was regarded by well-nigh all, even by the Eldar, as head of the order. Raven hair. I never think of uh, Saruman with yeah. dark hair, but he he did have it originally. Yeah, is the, that the uh, is that the age? Just that that the previous one was talking about the labors of mm -hmm. uh, labors of age. Yeah, they can age. I wonder if they could like if they did a prequel, if they could deep fake like old Christopher Lee from like the Hammer Dracula movies. Yeah, yeah, like into this. That would, that would be, be cool? so cool. That would be so. Might cool. be unethical, but it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
So at the time of their arrival in Middle-earth, the origin, nature, and purpose, and true names of all of the Astari were a secret to pretty much everyone in Middle-earth. Uh, we've got a excerpt here from Trevor from The Unfinished Tales, the Astari. They first appeared in Middle-earth about the year 1000 of the Third Age, but for long they went about in simple guise, as it were of men already old in years, but hale in body, travelers and wanderers, gaining knowledge of Middle-earth and all that dwelt therein, but revealing to none their powers and purposes. In that time men saw them seldom, and heeded them little, but as the shadow of Sauron became more active, and sought ever to contest the growth of the shadow, and to move elves and men to beware of their peril. Yeah, yeah. Be wary of that peril, guys. <laughs> uh, so having witnessed their arrival, Kirdan alone knew the truth of their identity and origin. And we got a teeny tiny little quote from the Unfinished Tales, the Astari, by Joel. Where they came from over the sea out of the uttermost west, though this was for long known only to Kirdan, guardian of the Third Ring, master of the Grey Havens, who saw their landings upon the western shores. And that's Kirdan the who? The shipwright. The motherfucking shipwright. Um, yeah. Yeah, who is the, who is the, a what? Who is what? He's shafted. 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 Yeah, all these callbacks right in a row, guys. That's why you love us, right? So Kurama would later discover that uh, Kirdan gave Narya the red ring to Olorin upon their first landing in Middle-earth. Even though Kurama was immediately considered the head of the order, Kirdan perceived that Olorin was the wisest and the greatest of the wizards. Ooh. Yeah, so Kurumo's jealousy of Olorin only grew stronger after this point. And it could even be because he may have feared that maybe one day Olorin would take his place as chief of the wizards. Yeah. We've got an excerpt here from the Unfinished Tales from Danny. And the gray messenger took the ring and kept it ever secret. Yet the white messenger, who was skilled to uncover all secrets, after a time became aware of this gift and begrudged it. And it was the beginning of the hidden ill will that he bore to the gray, which afterward became manifest. Just angry at everybody. Yep. That seething type of anger, that centuries long type of anger, you know? And he's a wizard, so it's going to be he's a, got long a lot time. of years to build that up. Gray messenger and white messenger, what, what, what is that exactly referencing? That'd be uh, Gandalf and Saruman. Referencing the two of them, Gandalf the Grey, Saruman the White. Okay, okay. So I was thinking it was Gandalf the White and Gandalf the Grey. And I was like, damn, Gandalf threw shade <laughs> at himself? Yeah. So let's take a minute to hop out of his uh, his life and his story so far and talk a little bit about his appearance that he takes on at this point when he's in Middle-earth. So while in Middle-earth, Kurumo became known in Sindarin as Kurunir and in Westron as Saruman. That's kind of his most common name after this. Yeah, like the other wizards, uh, Saruman appeared as an old man. And like uh, he, like we read in the excerpt, he originally had black hair. But by the end of the Third Age, his hair and beard had turned mostly white. And he had only black hairs around his lips and ears. He was tall, his face was long, and he had a high forehead. Uh, his eyes were deep and dark. He would wear a white cloak. Uh, he carried a heavy staff that was black in color. And he chose a long white hand as his symbol. 
the white hand of Saruman. Oh, I didn't realize that was a symbol this old. That's uh, interesting. I didn't realize he, that was like his before the War of the Rings. Apparently, symbol. yeah. yeah. His longtime sigil type deal. Yeah. So Saruman resembled Gandalf in appearance, but not necessarily in temperament. Uh, unlike Gandalf, Saruman was notably proud and even haughty. And in this, he was almost more akin to Sauron, mm. the evil lord, who was also a Maiar. He saw himself as the most powerful of the Astari, expressing clear contempt for also Radagast the Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he always openly shits on Radagast. He also patronizes the tolerance of the wise and the for, and the elves for men. He just has a sheer disdain for men. Yeah, especially lesser men. Like he's cooler with the men, the Dunedain and shit. But like lesser men of Middle Earth, he sees very lowly. Yeah. They're, they're inferior. Yeah. Saruman realized Gandalf's power and eventually came to see him as an equal. Yeah, Saruman would initially, uh, early on, so let's jump back into his life events, he would uh, join the Blue Wizards and go off into the east of Middle-earth, as they did. And after one and a half millennia, Saruman would actually return back to the west, just as Sauron's power was growing in Dol Guldur. Nice coincidence. Around this time, Saruman began to sense the resurgence of Sauron, but he also began to envy and desire Sauron's power, especially the One Ring. This was also the same year that the One Ring was found by the Stuer Smeagol, later called Gollum, who disappeared with it into the Misty Mountains for hundreds of years. Long time. Took it deep into the Misty Mountains. Nope. (laughs) It poisoned his mind. (laughs) I would love to talk about Saruman's powers and abilities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because we definitely needed to kind of break this down specifically because he's a wizard. Yeah, and he's got a specific powers uh, that the other wizards don't have. It's true. He's got specific Saruman powers. So Saruman's status as chief of the wizards and head of the White Council gave him some access to a variety of powers. Saruman was a vi- was a very mighty at the peak of his powers. Uh, he even managed to overcome his fellow Astar, uh, Gandalf the Grey. Yeah, Aragorn described Saruman as an individual of great knowledge, cunning, and skill. We have an excerpt here from The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 9, Flotsam and Jetsam, read by Trevor. Once he was as great as his fame made him. His knowledge was deep. His thought was subtle, and his hands marvelously skilled, and he had a power over the minds of others. The wise he could persuade, and the smaller folk he could daunt. The power he certainly still keeps. There are not many in Middle-earth that I should say were safe, if it were left alone to talk with him. Even now, when he has suffered a defeat. Gandalf, Elrond, and Galadriel, perhaps, now that his wickedness has been laid bare, but very few others. Yeah, this guy's got a real high uh, speech. Yeah, he's a force to be contended with. Yes. Um, Knowledge of the deep arts or magic was a particular interest to Sauron. Excuse me, Saruman. (laughs) That's the first time it's happened, though, guys, this episode. I thought it was going to happen more. Yep. I mean, everyone... Five of those and we shut it off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we quit. The Saruman-Sauron confusion. That's infamous. That's an infamous Even when I'm typing, it's hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was well-versed in magic. Yeah, Saruman was big on magic, and one of his spells was actually known to give speed and strength to an entire like band of orcs, the ones that uh, kidnapped Merry and Pepin, and then ended up being killed by Aragorn and uh, 
Or no, they were killed by the Rohirrim, right? Yeah, by Aomer and friends. Yep. Yeah, Saruman gave them like a plus 10 to their decks and strength. Yeah. Yeah, and she, here's a buff, take it. Yeah. Run forever. Saruman uh, also took a particular interest in the Rings of Power and the Palantir. Uh, and we have an excerpt from the Fellowship of the Ring, book one, chapter two, Shadow of the Past. Oh, read, I love this chapter. Read by Joel. Saruman is great among the wise. He is the chief of my order and the head of the council. His knowledge is deep, but his pride has grown with it, and he takes ill any meddling. The lore of the elven rings, great and small, is his province. He has long studied it, seeking the lost secrets of their making. Yeah, he was also deeply learned in the ancient lore regarding powerful kingdoms such as Numenor, Gondor, and Khazad-dûm uh, as well. Khazad-dûm, he loves all that old, ancient, high, high knowledge, you know? Yeah. Because he's obsessed with power, right? So he likes powerful kingdoms. Right. And knowledge is power. Exactly. He almost, he's almost starting to sound like Hitler from like Indiana Jones. Like he's just like <laughs> looking into ancient kingdoms and like ancient powers yeah. that he might use to yeah. take over the world. Yeah, totally. He's yeah, any kind of uh archaic knowledge he can that can be his advantage, right? <laughs> yeah. Gandalf also suspected Saruman had found and destroyed the remains of Isildur, the last known ring bearer. Yeah, because he found the Elendilmere. Yep. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. The Elendilmere of the, of, the, of the West. But by far, Saruman's greatest power was his power of speech. I think we've already mentioned that before. When he focused this power on a person or group of people, he could sway their hearts, plant fears, and sow lies as he pleased. According to the stature of the listener, the spell could only last as long as his speech did, or it could take root in them and literally last forever. Damn. That's like Inception. Yeah, straight up. Straight up. He had the power of Inception. Yeah. That's like, that's like a, that's a cosmic, the destiny changing spell. Just like. Yeah. But a, a note to make is that his voice was not hypnotic, but rather it was persuasive persuasive it broke you down it got to you logically or emotionally exactly yeah the real danger of saruman's quote-unquote voice was not like falling into a trance but more coming to actually agree with him yeah yeah it's like don't let him talk it might actually sound compelling it might actually change how you think about things yeah not okay Uh, we have an excerpt about this from the two towers book three chapter 10 the voice of saruman Suddenly another voice spoke, low and melodious, its very sound an enchantment. Those who listened unwarily to that voice could seldom report the words that they had heard. And if they did, they wondered, for little power remained in them. Mostly, they remembered only that it was a delight to hear the voice speaking. All that it said seemed wise and reasonable, and desire awoke in them by swift agreement to seem wise themselves. When others spoke, they seemed harsh and uncouth by contrast. And if they gainsaid their voice, anger was kindled in, their, in the hearts of those under the spell. Yeah, so people would just love to hear him talk. And they even started to get pissed off if other people would cut him off and yeah. start speaking instead. It's like, dude, shut up, Saruman's talking, come on. Yeah, his voice was so powerful, he was even able to convince the Witch King that he knew nothing of the One Ring or the Shire. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. He totally lied to the Witch King and got he away did, with and it. He got away with it. That's pretty crazy. Not many people. Nobody lies to the Witch King and right. gets away with it. That's some high speech. So let's get into the spies that he yeah, had. Yeah, he also had many spies, uh, both man and beast. 
and they were particularly good at evading detection. Yes. So he, was, he could spy on you like anywhere. He was also extremely learned in industry and mechanics. His deep knowledge enabled him to breed his own army of Urukai and create great forges and explosives that could breach the walls of Helm's Deep. Yeah, the fire of Orthanc, as uh, Aragorn calls it, right? Unfortunately, it was Saruman's obsession with the Rings of Power that was his ultimate downfall. He became enamored with the Rings of Power, and particularly the One Ring. The most powerful of them all. The baddest. So let's talk a little bit about that White Council. Yeah, so there were five known meetings of the White Council. Uh, the first White Council actually, the first White Council actually took place in the mid Second Age before the wizards came, and this was to discuss the growing power of Sauron and Mordor. This council was uh, pretty much just a bunch of elves led by Gilgalad. Yeah, I think we talk about this in both the Gilgalad episode and the Elrond episode. Yes. I think, yeah. Um, so if you want to hear more about uh, that first White Council, check out those episodes. The second meeting of the council is the first to include the wizards. The second meeting consisted of Saruman, Gandalf, Elrond, Galadriel, Círdan, the motherfucking shipwright. Motherfucking shipwright! Thank you. And other lords of the Eldar. Yeah, this is when Saruman was appointed the leader of the council. Uh, however, at the time, Galadriel had wanted Gandalf to be appointed to this position. And once again, nobody really believes Galadriel, right? Right. I don't know what the, what the deal is. Yeah, smartest person in the room, never listened to. So uh, Saruman also refused to step down from his position, but uh, Gandalf also declined. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Gandalf, so, so he straight declined the... He did, yeah. He, wow. he didn't actually want to be put in charge. I, I thought it was everyone was just like, shut the fuck up, Galadriel. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. I always assumed that's what it was. That's funny. He, uh, he didn't want to. Okay. But, of course, after this, Saruman only continued to hate Gandalf even more because now, you know, someone else chose Gandalf. Right, yeah. Once again. Somebody, they chose him over me. He doesn't like that. What does he have that I don't? What a little wine baby. Yeah, I know. So in the year 2759 of the Third Age, this is when Saruman settles in Isengard with the permission of the current steward of Gondor, Baron. Yeah, Baron of the House of Hur, or, or Hurin, excuse me. We figured this would be a great time to uh, take a moment and talk about Isengard itself, because Isengard is a really cool place. Yeah, what is Isengard? We also didn't, didn't we also just recently say that it probably should be Isengard? Isengard, yes. Yeah, because uh, Robert Shaw in the Silmarillion, in the Third Age section, mm -hmm. he straight up says Isengard, and I was always like, is he mispronouncing it, or is everyone else mispronouncing it? And I'm kind of going toward Isengard these days. I don't know, though. What do you guys think? Hit us up, let us know. Is it Isengard? Is it Isengard? Hell yeah, let us know. I think both sound pretty good. Uh, yeah, I like. I kind of like Isengard. That sounds kind of cool. But uh, for details on Isengard, Isengard, we have a lengthy excerpt here for you from The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 8, The Road to Isengard, read by our very own Trevor. Rubba! Beneath the mountain's arm, within the wizard's veil, through years uncounted, had stood that ancient place that men called Isengard. Partly it was shaped in the making of the mountains, but mighty works of men of westerness had wrought there of old. This was its fashion, while Sauron was at its height. A great ring wall of stone, like towering cliffs, stood out from the shelter of the mountainside, from which it ran and then returned again. One entrance only was there made in it, 
a great arch delved in the southern wall. There, through the black rock, a long tunnel had been hewn, closed at either end with mighty doors of iron. One who passed in and came at length out of the echoing tunnel beheld a plain, a great circle, somewhat hallowed like a vast shallow bowl, a mile it measured from rim to rim. Once it had been filled with avenues and groves of fruitful trees, watered by streams that flowed from the mountains to a lake. But no green thing grew there in the latter days of Saruman. Many houses there were, chambers, halls, and passages, cut and tunneled back into the walls upon their inner side, so that all the open circle was overlooked by countless windows and dark doors. Thousands could dwell there, workers, servants, slaves, and warriors, with great store of arms. Wolves were fed and stabled in deep pens beneath. Isengard had shafts that ran down many slopes and spiral stairs to caverns far under. There, Saruman had treasuries, storehouses, armories, smithies, and great furnaces. Iron wheels revolved there endlessly, and hammers thudded. At night, plumes of vapor steamed from the vents, lit from beneath with red light, or blue, or venomous green. Ooh. Spooky. Spooky. Yeah, they don't really, in the movie, they don't really show that Isengard is like a city. Yeah, it's huge. It like, is especially like a, on the surface. It's like a self-sufficient city. It's yeah. crazy. It's super cool. It's super fortified. It's almost, uh, reading that description again, it almost seems slightly Gondolin-inspired. Yeah, I mean, yeah, these in are the, the men of Western the Ring of Stone, yeah. with one way in, one way out. Yeah, kind of, yeah. In a, in a, in a bowl with a big tower in the middle. Yeah, yeah. holy shit. It's a mini little Gondolin, an ode to Gondolin an by the Numenorians. Yeah, that's I like that. That's some Tolkieniering. So Saruman was allowed to be the quote-unquote warden of the tower and the representative of the current steward of Gondor. And at this point, the stronghold had essentially been more or less abandoned by Gondor. It was just kind of empty. Yeah, this was in the waning years of, uh, of Gondor mm-hmm. when things weren't going so great under the stewards. Uh, they definitely couldn't people and uh, man the tower anymore. No, no, they were running low on bodies. Yeah, and Saruman there became an important uh, informal alliance uh, defending the west of Middle-earth. In Orthanc, he came upon the Orthanc Stone, one of the seven seeing stones, but he kept it secret, particularly from the White Council. Dick. Yeah, he would later betray the Council through his use of it. Yeah, those Palantir, they're always... Everyone's getting up to no good with those, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I wish we could just go back to the days when the fucking Numenorians were peacefully using them as Feanorian FaceTime. Yeah, they're just talking. Now hey, people Feanorian are... Feanorian FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our term for, uh, yeah, Feanorian FaceTime. Trevor's never heard it. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just like the, the days when it could have been used for good and for cool shit rather than like corrupting people from afar. Right. Well, in the Third Age, 2851, the White Council met for a third time. And Gandalf revealed that the evil presence in Dol Guldur was indeed Sauron, and uh, that he had returned and urged an attack there. Saruman, however, believed that Sauron would be useful in his own quest. By allowing Sauron to build up his strength, the One Ring would likely reveal itself. So Saruman hoped to have sufficient strength to seize the ring first. Not if I do it first! So with this strategy in mind, Saruman actually overruled Gandalf at this time, 
and it soon became clear after this that Saruman desired to possess the One Ring himself. Yeah, this is when Gandalf is kind of like, hmm. Yeah, this is kind of the first hint. Mm-hmm. So in the Third Age 2941, the White Council meets for the fourth time, and at this council, Saruman finally consents to an attack on Dol Guldur against Sauron. Essentially, this time, it was strategically advantageous for Saruman, so he let it happen. And after that attack, that's when Sauron retreats from Dol Guldur to Mordor. Yeah, kicked him on out of there. Get up on out of there. Was Dol Guldur ruled by the Numenorians too? I think that was uh, an Elvish stronghold. Was it Elvish if stronghold? If I remember right. Yeah, I think you might be right. Well, finally, in 2953, the White Council gathered for a fifth time. At this meeting, the council was to debate the Rings of Power. Yes, this is the one during The Hobbit, correct? I believe so, 2953. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds right. So uh, Saruman quieted the council, claiming to have knowledge that the One Ring was lost forever in the Great Sea of Belagare. Yeah, it was during this meeting that Saruman also first noticed Gandalf's interest in hobbits and the Shire. Believing that all of Gandalf's deeds related to some secret plan of his for self-enhancement, Saruman began keeping a closer eye on Gandalf and set spies to Bree and to the Shire to report on all of his movements. He wanted to know what he was up to. Yeah, he's one of these people that's like so evil and paranoid that they can't fathom that other people aren't evil and paranoid. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, because he's like, Gandalf must be trying to get a leg up on me because everyone wants to dominate everybody, right? right? Everyone wants to be me and have my position. Yeah. Yeah, Amongst the uh, purposes of these spies was also to procure some of the halfling's pipeweed, which Saruman had begun to smoke in secret imitation of Gandalf which he would publicly shame Gandalf. He does, yeah, and we're going to talk about that next week. What a hypocrite. Yeah, for more information on the pipe weed and the culture around that, tune in for episode 81. Yeah, 81. Tolkien on drugs. So following their final meeting and the death of the steward of Gondor at the time, Turgon, this is when Saruman took full control of Isengard as his own, and he fortified it. And as Lord of Isengard... Saruman began to bring trouble to nearby Rohan by essentially aiding some of Rohan's enemies. Yeah, there had already been a uh, insurgency in Rohan with the uh, Dunlanings, right? Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. kind of uh, fueled that fire. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But at this point, the rest of the White Council was pretty much already suspicious of Saruman. And Aragorn even tried to advise the steward Ecthelion II not to trust Saruman. Uh, for any help at all no shit Sauron yeah no shit really yes sir. that's crazy I did not friggin know that that's awesome so- Aragorn even at that point when Ecthelion was the fucking yeah that's steward. uh that's uh Denethor's dad right Ecthelion yeah that's too? Denethor's dad so this is in the Thorngill years yeah this is Thorngill years yeah dude. already suspecting Saruman yeah in the mm-hmm. Thorngill years Aragorn's got that good sense Got that good sense about it. I love Aragorn. He is my favorite character in the Lord of the Rings. Man, he he I mean, he's a ranger, which means he's good at hunting, and I guess he's good at hunting out your fucking alignment. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. So let's jump into the conflict. Everyone knows the War of the Ring. Beep, 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 beep. War of the Ring. Third yes. Age, 2951. Sauron openly declares his presence in Mordor. The Dark Lord is back, and the Dark Lord Sauron establishes contact with Saruman through the uh, the Palantir, the Ithilstone that, Sa- that the Dark Lord Sauron had captured from 
Minas Ithil. Yes. Um, and yeah, and there's still one in Minas Tirith too, right? Which we find out later on in uh, the Denethor story. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, through his jealousy, pride, and arrogance, Saruman was dominated by Sauron, becoming a servant of his will. You know, I kind of have this just a thought just now. Saruman was trying to do to Sauron what Sauron was trying to do to Melkor. So he yeah. saw that right away and was like, that's my game, bitch. Like, I'm the one that does <laughs> shit like that. Don't even try. And Sar- uh, Saruman's corruption was completed around the year Third Age 3000. Yeah, this is when the wizard intended to share in the Dark Lord's power one way or another. Right. And Saruman hoped to either win Sauron's approval and become his equal lieutenant or cheat him over and acquire the One Ring for himself. One or the other. Either way. He just wanted one of those things. So he was buddying up to Sauron. It is suspected that at some point Saruman attempted to use his knowledge of magic and ring lore to create his own ring of power. Yeah, he. it says, um, probably in the excerpt that's right here, uh, <laughs> we hear about it, right? Yes, sir. And we got an excerpt. Gandalf at the Council of Elrond, read by Joel. I rode to the foot of Orthanc and came to the stair of Saruman, and there he met me and led me up to his his high chamber. He wore a ring on his finger. So you have come, Gandalf, he said to me gravely, but in his eyes there seemed to be a white light, as if a cold laughter was in his heart. That was something that always fascinated me. The ring? The ring that Saruman wears. Like... What is its power? It's subtle, but it's a very distinct thing to include. Yeah, like he clearly succeeded in making some sort of magic ring. Mm -hmm. Like, what does it do? Yeah, and then even more evidence. We've got another quick excerpt from Gandalf at the Council of Elrond. For I am Saruman the Wise, Saruman Ringmaker, Saruman of many colors. Yeah, he even name drops himself as a ringmaker. He does. So he clearly has made some rings. Yeah. I guess, like, we don't know of their power, though. Would it be safe to assume that no. they do nothing? Well, it never, they, at least never comes into this tale. Like, forever, right. for now and it's, forever shall it's remain. It's clear that it was, he, he was never good enough to make, like, a, a ring powerful enough to rival any of, like, the elven rings or anything like that. If he ever made a ring, it was a lesser ring of power. Yeah. But it's pretty suspected that he made a lesser ring. And some actually suspect that the Dark Lord Sauron used ring lore as a way to lure Saruman to the dark side. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, the the ring the extent of the the ring the powers of his rings will for now and ever remain a Tolkien mystery. Tolkien mystery. Tolkien mystery. Yeah, that was something that I actually didn't know previous to this episode. So yeah. I thought that was really cool. Cool info. Saruman making his own ring. Yeah. I yeah, I remember reading that in the book and I was always fascinated about that was one of those mysteries that I always wondered. Mm-hmm. And we move on to Rohan. Rohan, yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how he fucks with Rohan. About this time, Saruman began to trouble the borders of Rohan with orc and Dunlanding raids while hiding any evidence of his own treachery. In uh, preparation for the upcoming war, Saruman had amassed a following of orcs, Uruk-hai, half-orcs, wicked men and wargs within Isengard. Sounds like a fun party. Yeah, it was an an army raised both in service of and secretly in competition with the Dark Lord Sauron. 
Yeah, it's something like some fucking Game of Thrones shit. Yeah, yeah. It's getting a little political with Saruman <laughs> yeah. the White. Oh my god. Then now that you say it that way though, like it's suddenly this is like a, a three way uh vibe yeah. for power going yeah, it's on. It's a here. struggle for power going and, on. But like even though like but men usually men men at some point usually have a vibe for power in every story too, so I don't know. It's nice they set their differences aside. Yeah. Though in an attempt to control Rohan, Saruman also bought the allegiance of King Theoden's chief advisor, Grima Wormtongue. Yeah, Grima agreed to counsel the alien king to do nothing uh, about the steady resurgence of Sauron's armies. Yeah, complete uh, inaction is his plan. Saruman and Grima's treachery would have crippled Rohan had Gandalf not interfered a year later, healing Theoden and revitalizing his political and military rule. Yeah. Next, we move on to the Shire. Yeah, what are his dealings with the Shire? At this time, Sauron also sent spies to negotiate the purchase of Leaf from the Shire. That good, good. Yeah, this was uh, in preparation for the war, and also to learn of any hobbits who had departed recently in hopes of figuring out who had the One Ring. Yeah, I think that like he's convinced that pipe to pipeweed has like some strange power that he doesn't understand. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, Gandalf does this. It must give him some sort of advantage. These hobbits are resistant to evil and stuff like that. It must give them some sort of advantage. Right, Bo- boost <laughs> is like resilience in some way. Like, yeah, it's uh, that weird paranoia that which, he's... Which, but I mean, like, if you're going against a Dark Lord, you'd want a ward. So like, hey, that ain't reasonable for me. Yeah. So now let's touch on uh, his interaction with Gandalf. So Saruman attempts to use Radagast the Brown as an unwitting pawn to summon Gandalf to him. He doesn't want Gandalf to suspect anything. Yeah, Saruman requested that Radagast summon Gandalf to Isengard. Go fetch uh, Gopher Gandalf. You know what I mean? He's the gopher. Gopher. (laughs) Upon arriving, Gandalf noticed that something was off with Saruman. Yeah, he's uh, being a little more of an asshole than usual. Uh, We have an excerpt here from The Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2, Chapter 2, The Council of Elrond. Read by Trevor. I have come for your aid, Saruman the White. And that title seemed to anchor him. Have you indeed, Gandalf the Grey? He scoffed. For aid? It has seldom been heard of that Gandalf the Grey sought for aid. One so cunning and so wise, wander about the lands and concerning himself in every business, whether it belongs to him or not. Getting sassy. Yeah, I think that Saruman is bar none the most sarcastic character in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he thinks he's better than yeah. everybody. His shit, yeah, he has a very my shit don't stink type of attitude, <laughs> you know? This is also when he blatantly insults Radagast the Brown. And he also denounces the title of Saruman the White in, in favor of Saruman of many colors. Yeah, strange, right? So we got an excerpt here from uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2, Chapter 2, Council of Elrond, from Joel. Redagast the Brown, laughed Saruman, and he no longer concealed his scorn. Redagast the Bird Tamer, Redagast the Simple, Redagast the Fool, yet he had just the wit to play the part that I set for him. For you have come, and that was all the purpose of my message. And here you will stay, Gandalf the Grey, and rest from journeys, for I am Saruman of many colors. I looked then and saw that his robes, which had seemed white, were not so, but were woven of all colors. I liked white better, I said. White, he sneered, 
It serves as a beginning. White cloth may be dyed. The white page can be overwritten. And the white light can be broken. In which case it is no longer white, said I. And he that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom. One of my favorite Gandalf lines of all time, I, I say that all the time, he that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom. Yeah, that is a genuine, just good Tolkien quote. Yeah, love it. Literary genius. So the corrupt wizard announces his intention, intentions and demanded that Gandalf either submit to him or to the Dark Lord. And we have another quote from the Council of Elrond from Danny. A new power is rising. Against it, the old allies and policies will not avail us at all. There is no hope left in elves or dying Numenor. This, then, is one choice before us. We may join with that power. It would be wise, Gandalf. There is hope that way. Its victory is at hand, and there will be rich reward for those that aided it. So Gandalf refused both choices, and he also would not inform Saruman of the whereabouts of the One Ring. So he's just not given into anything. Nope. And in return, Saruman, as we know, imprisons Gandalf on the top of the Tower of Orthanc. I wonder yeah. if it's hard to breathe up there. I mean, I don't think it's that high up there, but it's definitely cold and windy up there. It's definitely oh, cold yeah. and windy. Yeah. So from the pinnacle of the tower, Gandalf could see that Saruman was gathering hordes of orcs and wolves in all of his pits and forges. And we have a uh, quote here, also from the Council of Elrond, read by Trevor. They took me and they set me alone on the pinnacle of Orthanc, in the place where Saruman was accustomed to watch the stars. There is no descent save by a narrow stair of many thousand steps, and the valley below seems far away. I looked on it and saw that, where it had been once green and fair, it was now filled with pits and forges. Wolves and orcs were housed in Isengard, for Sauron was mustering a great force on his own account, in rivalry of Sauron, and not in his service yet. Over all his works, a dark smoke hung and wrapped itself about the sides of Orthanc. I stood alone on an island in the clouds, and I had no chance of escape, and my days were bitter. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, no fun. Like how how long do we estimate he was up there? Because like with I know he is a um you know powerful being, but like he still needs to eat right to to function at least somewhat. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we covered that. Uh, yeah, remember they have bodies that can die and get tired. And yeah, all that stuff? yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gandalf was later able to escape the top of Orthanc with the help of Gwahir the Wind Lord. Yeah, everyone loves the eagles. Yeah, son of Thorindor, right? That's right. Uh, and Gandalf made Saruman's betrayal known to all of the White Council through his uh, subsequent report at the Council of Elrond that happened shortly after this. It was like right after this. He goes right to the Council of Elrond and is like, guess what, guys? Yeah. This was really bad for Saruman. Saruman's plans would ultimately end up failing due to being forced uh, to... He for They forced his hand. They He revealed his... He showed his ass too early. Too early, yeah. It's a lot like what they end up doing to Sauron in, yep. in the War of the Ring. Yep. Speaking of Sauron, yeah, we, should, yeah. we should talk about him some. Yeah, let's, let's talk, talk about, about uh, the relationship between Saruman and Sauron. Saruman uh, soon also betrayed his master Sauron by lying to the Witch King when he arrived at Isengard. 
Yeah, Sauron had sent the Nazgul searching for Baggins, who had found the One Ring years before, and the Shire his home. Uh, Saruman pretended to know nothing about the Shire, uh, but the Lord of Megas Morgul and his company did not have the strength to assault the Ring of Isengard. Yeah, that place was a, a real stronghold. Yeah, no go. Saruman told them that he believed Gandalf knew the whereabouts of the Ring, and the Nazgul departed. Yeah, I bet he was fucking sweating, too. Yeah. Woo! Like, oh, I yeah. know you're strong, but trying to pass one over the Witch King? Yeah. He's like, here, here, let me, let me just deflect this uh, back at this other guy. Yeah. You know, he, he knows. Don't, don't talk to me. Unfortunately for Saruman, in, this, in September of Third Age 3018, the Nazgul captured one of his spies, Grima friggin' Wormtongue, and he told the Witch King everything and, oh. and pooped his pants. And he pooped his pants. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He pooped his pants. Yeah, so uh, Grima just exposed the wizard's double treachery. And uh, they also seized the, the, the ring rays. They seized some maps and other information about the Shire and the name of Baggins from Grima at that time. So they just got everything they needed to know from fucking Grima. Yeah, and this puts and, uh, Saruman between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, you can say that again. Yeah. So let's talk about Saruman's obsession. Seems to be everybody's obsession, really. The one ring. The one ring. Let's the, get the yeah. one obsession. <laughs> yeah. The one obsession. Sounds like a commercial for for the one the one ring the one obsession the only yeah. obsession you'll ever have. <laughs> so Saruman now put all of his efforts into obtaining the one ring for himself. He's like, pretty much like I've burned all my bridges, whether on purpose or not. <laughs> We're going all in on this one ring plan. Yep. So uh, not all of his nef- his efforts are entirely known, but they included sending spies to waylay Frodo and friends on his flight from the Shire. For example, uh, Bill Fernie and Bree was one of these spies. Yeah, local asshole Bill Fernie. Bill Fernie, fuck that guy. Speaking of assholes, Bill Fernie. Uh, yeah, and then outright uh, straight up attacking uh, Rohan with his orc buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they dispatched uh, raiding parties of Urukai accompanied by orcs from the Misty Mountains on likely routes the Fellowship of the Ring might take to Gondor. Yeah, and coincidentally, uh, one of these raiding parties was the group that captured uh, Merry and Pippin and <laughs> killed Boromir. Damn. But they didn't end up actually getting the ring. They took the wrong halflings. And this mm-hmm. actually le- this led Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli on a search, which eventually led to the Battle of the Hornburg and the dis- later destruction of Isengard by the Ents. Oof. So that was a little whoopsies. Fortunate Whoops. turn of events? Yeah, I'd say so. Determined universe? Uh, when, who are we to say? Who are we to say? Let's get into the fall of Saruman. Yes, Saruman's Shire network had failed to capture Frodo Baggins, his network of spies. Gandalf rallied Rohan to victory also, which, you know, (laughs) not for nothing, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Eomer at this point had also stopped Saruman's brutal raiding party and control of Isengard was lost to the Ents. So he's losing on all fronts right now. Yeah. After the arrival of Theoden, Gandalf, Aragorn, and the remaining members of the Fellowship, Saruman made one final attempt to turn Theoden and Gandalf. Uh, Gandalf had come to Isengard to offer Saruman a chance for redemption, which involved surrendering his staff and the keys of Orthanc as a pledge. Yeah, and being aware that he's utterly defeated at this point, Saruman briefly considered repenting for his deeds. But ultimately, whether it was because he had hoped to escape or because he was too proud, he refused. And uh, Saruman makes this final attempt to woo Theoden and Gandalf 
to his cause, but it, it fails. Yeah, Gandalf wasn't buying it. Uh, Gandalf asks what Saruman could possibly have to say and asks if he wishes to unsay some of the things he's said in the past. <laughs> to, to unsay? Yeah. I, I like it. And we got an excerpt here from The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 10, The Voice of Saruman, from Joel. Saruman paused. Unsay? He mused, as if puzzled. Unsay? I endeavored to advise you for your own good, but you scarcely listened. You are proud and do not love advice, having indeed a store of your own wisdom. But on that occasion you erred, I think, misconstructing my intentions willfully. I fear that in my eagerness to persuade you I lost patience. And indeed I regret, for I bore you no ill will. And even now I bear none, though you return to me in company of this violent and the ignorant. How should I? Are we not both members of a high and ancient order most excellent in Middle-earth? Our friendship would profit us both alike. Much we could still accomplish together to heal the disorders of the world. Let us understand one another and dismiss from thought these lesser folk. Will you not come up? Damn, yeah, he's really laying it on. Laying uh, it on thick. And after this, uh, Gandalf breaks Saruman's staff and expels him from the Order of the Astari. And we have a quote from The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 10, The Voice of Saruman, read by Danny. Saruman's face grew livid, twisted with rage. He laughed wildly. If you wish to treat with me, come back when you are sober. Good day. He turned and left the balcony. Come back, Saruman, said Gandalf in a commanding voice. To the amazement of the others, Saruman turned again, and as if dragged against his will, he came slowly back to the iron rail, leaning on it, breathing hard. His face was lined and shrunken. His hand clutched his heavy black staff like a claw. I did not give you leave to go, said Gandalf sternly. I have not finished. You may have become a fool, Saruman, and yet pitiable. You might have still turned away from folly and evil, and have been of service. But you chose to stay and gnaw at the ends of your old plots. Stay then, but I warn you, you will not easily come out again. Not unless the dark hands of the east stretch out to take you. Saruman, he cried, and his voice grew in power and authority. Behold! I am not Gandalf the Grey, whom you betrayed. I am Gandalf the White, who has returned from death. And you have no color now, and I cast you from the Order and from the Council. He raised his hand and spoke slowly in a clear, cold voice. Saruman, your staff is broken. There was a crack, and the staff split asunder in Saruman's hand, and the head of it fell down at Gandalf's feet. Go, said Gandalf. With a cry, Saruman fell back and crawled away. At that moment, a heavy shining thing came hurling from down from above. Yeah, send him crawling away. Yeah, I love that. This part is so cool. I love that we, we've covered the shit out of this event from like three different angles now. Yeah. We did the Aylmer episode. We did the Theoden episode. Uh, I suppose we did the Gandalf episode too. Yeah. And now this one. Yeah. yeah. I, this this event. I love this event. It's so great. Yeah. It's such a great thing to cover because everybody in it has such good lines. And uh, like they said at the end of the uh, quote there, a heavy shiny thing came hurtling down from above. This is because uh, during this interaction, 
The palantir of Orthanc was thrown by Grima Wormtongue off of the balcony. And yeah. Grima had meant this as like an insult and attack, but ultimately the palantir didn't hit anyone because Grima could not decide who he hated more, Saruman or Gandalf. Yeah, or at least that's the joke that Sar- that Aragorn made, remember? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps he couldn't decide who he hated more. Yeah, Saruman now found himself confined to Orthanc with his servants either scattered or killed. Left out of the final stages of the War of the Ring, Saruman eventually managed to use his voice to persuade the Ents to let him and Grima leave Isengard. Yeah, I love how in the theatrical cuts of the movie, they just, uh, we never find out what happens to Saruman. Yeah, we never, they never address yeah. it. He just, just is like stuck up in, in the tower, tower forever. and then, yeah, <laughs> we just never fucking hear from him again. So uh, only after he met the condition of uh, handle, handing over the keys of Orthanc was he allowed to leave. So the, the Ents were at least able to get that out of him. But otherwise, he was able to use his voice to get out of there. Yep. So on August 28th, on their way to uh, the northern lands of Dunland, Saruman and Grima were confronted by Gandalf, Celeborn, Galadriel, and the Hobbits on their way back from, I think it was on their way back from Aragorn's coronation, right? I think so. I think that would be around the, the same time, yeah. And at this time, they're pretty beat up. Saruman and Grima pretty much appear to be traveling beggars. Yeah, Saruman kicked Grima while he's on the ground to move on, and Grima exclaimed how he hated his master. And Gandalf tells Grima that he is uh, free to leave Saruman, but, of course, Grima just doesn't reply and continues on. I've got another quote here. This is from uh, The Return of the King, Book 6, Chapter 6, Many Partings, read by Trevor. Get up, you idiot, he shouted to the other beggar who had sat down on the ground and he struck him with a staff. Turn about! If these fine folk are going our way, then we will take another. Get on, or I'll give you no crust for your supper. The beggar turned and slouched past whimpering. Poor old Grima. Poor old Grima. Always beaten and cursed. How I hate him. I wish I could leave him. Then leave him, said Gandalf. But Wormtongue only shot a glance of his glared eyes full of terror at Gandalf and then shuffled quickly past Saruman. As the wretched pair passed by the company, they came to the hobbits, and Saruman stopped and stared at them, but they looked at him with pity. Yeah, he's in a pitiable state. Yeah, yeah. Saruman was considered uh, powerless at this point, so there was really no concern over letting him go. Yeah, but ultimately we find that this was probably a mistake. Yeah, you should never underestimate your enemies. He's still a bitter fuck. So, on September 22nd of that year, Saruman and Grima make their way to the Shire, which, at this point, has uh, his own ally already there, Lotho Sackville Baggins, who had also already brought the Shire kind of under their thumb. Yeah, they start the, like, organized crime bullshit going on there. So, at this point, Saruman establishes himself in Hobbiton and spent his final days as a small-time thug lord, whom (laughs) his own ruffian men call Sharky which is uh, sort of a, a mannish translation of the orcish term sharku, which means old man. It's what his old troops used to call him, basically. Yeah. That's such a funny name to be known by. Sharky. After, after being called Saruman for, what, thousands of years? Saruman, the white of Saruman of many colors. Right, Saruman right. You, you have this brief, like, late-life crisis. You change Where colors. Sharky. <laughs> and then you become Sharky. Like, you, you decide what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's like how, how Bob Dylan had, like, the Christian phase, you know, that he went through. It's like, this is the Sharky years. <laughs> sharky you know? years. The sharky yeah. years. Yeah. He's, he's at the end of his rope now. 
So at this point, uh, Sharky imposes a regime of terror on these poor peaceful hobbits just to kind of avenge himself and make him feel better. But even this operation falls apart after Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pepin return from their long journey. Uh, November 3rd of the year 3019, the Scouring of the Shire was led by Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin. The hobbits led a rebellion against the men that had taken over the Shire, and the conflict ended at Bag End, where the hobbits finally confronted Saruman. And we have a quote from The Return of the King, Book 6, Chapter 8, The Scouring of the Shire, read by Joel. Worm! Worm! Saruman called. And out of a nearby hut came Wormtongue, crawling almost like a dog. To the road again, Worm, said Saruman. These fine fellows and lordlings are turning us adrift again. Come along. Saruman turned to go, and Wormtongue shuffled after him. But even as Saruman passed close to Frodo, a knife flashed in his hand, and he stabbed swiftly. The blade turned on the hidden mail coat and snapped, and a dozen hobbits led by Sam leapt forward with a cry and flung the villain to the ground. Sam drew his sword. No, Sam, said Frodo. Do not kill him, even now, for he has not hurt me. But even after being spared, Saruman still tries to kill Frodo. We've got another quote here from the same chapter, The Scouring of the Shire, from Danny. Saruman rose to his feet and stared at Frodo. There was a strange look in his eyes of mingled wonder and respect and hatred. You have grown, halfling, he said. Yes, you have grown very much. You are wise and cruel. You have robbed my revenge of its sweetness, and now I must go hence in bitterness, in debt to your mercy. I hate it and you. Well, I go, and I will trouble you no more. But do not expect me to wish you health and long life. You will have neither. But that is not my doing. I merely foretell. But then Saruman goes a little too far while he uh, antagonizes Grima, and Grima freaks out, pulls out a knife, and attacks. And we have a quote here from the same chapter, The Scouring of the Shire, read by Trevor. A look of wild hatred came into Wurngtung's red eyes. You told me to. You made me do it, he hissed. Saruman laughed. You do what Shocky says always, don't you, Worm? Well, now he says, follow. He kicked Wormtongue in the face as he groveled, and he turned and made off. But at that, something snapped. Suddenly, Wormtongue rose up, drawing a hidden knife, and then with a snarl, like a dog, he sprang on Saruman's back, jerked his head back, cut his throat, and with a yell, ran off down the lane. Before Frodo could say a word, three hobbit vows twanged and Wormtongue fell dead. And so dies Saruman. Saruman. And Grima. And Grima too. Fuck them both. But because Saruman was a Maya, he only lost his physical shape with his death and his spirit still endured. Yeah, as is, uh, as is the way with those Maiar. Mm-hmm. And as an incorporeal spirit, Saruman should have been called to the Halls of Mandos, but uh, the tale kind of implies that he was barred from returning there. Uh, So as his spirit arose from his body, he turned westward, but a wind came from the west and pushed him away. His spirit was left naked, powerless, 
to wander Middle-earth alone, uh, similar to Sauron after the One Ring was destroyed. And uh, we've got a nice short quote here from The Unfinished Tales, Part 4, The Astari, read by Joel. Whereas Kurunir was cast down and utterly humbled and perished at last by the hand of an oppressive slave, and his spirit went whithersoever it was doomed to go, and to Middle-earth, whether naked or embodied, came never back. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, so his soul's just out wandering the world somewhere, all alone. Art in the wind. Art in the wind. And that's really the end of Saruman. Yeah, that's it. I'm sorry, you you saying fart in the wind is like, can you just imagine in like a couple of thousand years, people are just chilling in Middle Earth and you're just like, did you smell that? The and there's like urban <laughs> legends or myths or shit about when like, comes by, when you, yeah. when you, f- you smell the fart of Sauron. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's, just, it's just like, so be careful when you go to the misty mountains, you may encounter the fart of Sauron. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you smell fucking black licorice and weed res? <laughs> oh, it's gross. <laughs> Ugh. Oh uh, a little God. fun fact, there's actually an asteroid named after Saruman. It's asteroid 418532 Saruman, and it's named in honor of the wizard, uh, well, specifically in honor of the actor, the famous actor, Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, a uh, horror icon, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, played Dracula a million times. He's in one of my favorite horror movies, uh, The Wicker Man. The original. Yes, the original one. That the, movie disturbed me. Yeah, the original Wicker Man is a hell of a ride. You should all check it out, especially if you love Christopher Lee. He uh, sings and wears a kilt in it. It's Great. fucking it's awesome. It's fantastic. Speaking of singing, it's wonderful. he's also in a metal band. Yeah. Yes, Christopher Lee is also in a metal band where they sing about Charlemagne, right? Yeah, I believe <laughs> so, yeah. Well, did you know that Christopher Lee, we're getting on a Christopher Lee <laughs> tangent, did you know he's a descendant of Charlemagne? No way. Because no he's like part of the British royal or the uh, European aristocracy. So he's like descended from Charlemagne. That That is actually hilarious. It's perfect. He's get, yeah. He gets to sing about his own lineage, right? Basically. Yep. Yeah. His ancestor. Well, we'll got to RIP, you know. Yeah. Well, now, um, actually, guys, we have another one of these little fun uh, uh, bits for you. Um, this one is fun. It's a three-way collaboration story by me and Trevor. And then uh, dialogue by me and uh, Joe Vasky, our, our friend and longtime collaborator. And this is a kind of a what if if, Saru, if Saruman and Wormtongue didn't die in the Shire, what might have happened to them after the war? Enjoy. Submitted for your approval. This is the tale of an alternate outcome of the War of the Ring. What if Saruman was not killed but captured? and made to stand trial for war crimes. The following is an account of the court proceedings. All rise for the Honorable Judge Mandos. The court is now in session. Thank you, Bailiff. Now, Saruman, you stand accused of war crimes. Crimes against humanity. Crimes against elves. Crimes against dwarves. Crimes against ants and the trees themselves and so on and so forth. And this circus of a court has the audacity to bring such claims against me, Saruman. Order. And the list goes on like this for quite some time. Oh, and building quite a sophisticated pipeweed empire. Just then, a random hobbit stood up. The courtroom was full of angry hobbit faces. They sat with their arms crossed, looking very grim. That's right. Took all of our old Toby, he did. And what's worse, 
The ruffians took up all of our taters. Order in the court. We haven't mentioned the charges against the taters, but it is in there. Now, Saruman, let the record show that you have rejected the public defender and plan to represent yourself. Ha, as if anyone else had the constitution to do so. And opposing arguments made by Gandalf the Fool, or should I say, Gandalf the Late. Where is the prosecution? Bailiff? I am here, your honor. A wizard is never late, Saruman, nor is he early, but hears eyes precisely when he means to, and so forth. Yes, yes. We have heard that all before, Gandalf. Present your opening argument. Free peoples of Arda, we are here to try one of the most nefarious traitors this age of the world. They haven't said anything about the taters. We want justice. Justice for taters. And we shall have justice, good hobbit. From the taters to the genocide, he shall answer for all. Allow me to call my first witness. Come forth, Grima Wormtongue. Grima Wormtongue entered the courtroom. They looked small and pathetic as they slowly moved to the stand. Grima, please state your full name for the record. Grima Wormtongue, son of Galmud. And what was your relationship with Saruman, the defendant? I was his, uh... Partner. Ah, partner. Little more than a dog to me, you mere worm. I will have order in this court. Now, Grima, you have been granted immunity in exchange for your testimony. Now tell us all, truthfully. Uh, Grima, are you alright? He hurt me. He's just so fucking mean. Like, I don't even know what's wrong with him. Being mean to someone like you is not a crime, Grima. Talk about the allegations. This one time, I made him a birthday cake, right? And he tasted it. And then he said it tasted like orc shit. It very well might have, Grima. This is not what we need to hear about. What about the building of orc armies searching for the ring? His league with Sauron, the invasion of Rohan? This guy has done loads of awful stuff, Grima. Can't you say anything about that? This one time, he sent me to the Shire to buy some pipe weed. And I went all the way to the Shire. And when I got back, he said he wanted the stuff from Bree. Because it's better. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself, Grima. <laughs> Grima was a complete mess. Tears streamed down his face as he blubbered on the stand. Gandalf was disgusted. Good grief. All right, Grima, that's enough from you. Get off the stand. Your Honor, I call my next witness to the stand. And who is your next witness? I call Gandalf the Grey to the stand. I object, Judge. How is this prosecution going to cross-examine themselves? This is most absurd. I call Gandalf the Grey to the stand. I am Gandalf the White. Two totally different people. I'll allow it. Proceed, Counselor. Thank you, Your Honor. I will proceed with questioning. Gandalf then pulled out a pointy gray hat and put it on his head. He sat down on the stand. 
a change came over him, and he had a goofy smile on his face. He would stand when Gandalf the White, and put on the hat and sat as Gandalf the Grey. He spoke in two slightly different voices. It's a very strange sight to see. Now will the witness please state their name for the record? Well, you see, I've got a lot of names. Um, Mithrandir, um, Tharkun, Incanus, and take your pick. Are you the wizard known as Gandalf the Grey? Who? Who? Me? Oh, yeah. Sometimes they call me that. Yeah, man. This is outrageous. The witness is clearly intoxicated. Wait, does that mean that the prosecution is drunk as well? Mistrial! Your Honor, even if this witness were intoxicated, he is Gandalf the Grey, and I am Gandalf the White. Wait, what? That makes no sense. Judge, this man is drunk. Your Honor, to say I was sober would be dubious, but I am definitely not drunk. Absurd. He is wasted, Judge. What kind of kangaroo court is this? Order! I'll allow it. Proceed, Counselor. Thank you, Your Honor. Now, Gandalf the Grey, what was your relationship with the defendant? Well, we were like, I guess, sort of co-workers or something. We came over on the same boat. You know what I mean? Or don't you? Why, yes, of course. You were one of the fellow Istari. Would you say that Saruman was a good leader? Yeah, you know what? He was all right for a while, but then... <coughs> war crimes and shit. Of course. War crimes and shit. Can you tell me any more about the war crimes? Oh, uh, no, honestly, man, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean? I'm not feeling so good, man. Wait, what? Gandalf, no! I'm gonna Ralph. <coughs> All right, this is going nowhere. Witness dismissed. Judge, the defense requests recess until the prosecution can sober up. Request denied. Counselor, are you able to proceed without vomiting? Gandalf stood up and took off the hat. Barf was running down the stand, and there was a horrible stench in the courtroom. Gandalf still had puke in his beard. I am sorry, Your Honor, but that wasn't me. That was Gandalf the Grey. Good grief. Just then, another angry habit stood and shouted, Fuck this shit! Hang him! Justice for the taters! Now all of the hobbits stood and started chanting. There was chaos in the courtroom. Justice for the taters! Justice for the taters! Justice for the taters! Bailiff, remove these hobbits. I hold them in contempt. Suddenly, the room was filled with Maiar with handcuffs. They took the hobbits roughly out of the courtroom. Judge, this is ridiculous. This trial is a disgrace. For once, I agree with you, Saruman. Counselor, do you have any more witnesses to call? Gandalf looked down at the ground, embarrassed. Well, I was going to call Samwise Gamgee to the stand, but he was removed for contempt of court with the rest of the hobbits. 
He was very upset about his taters as well. It would seem, then, that it is time for me to render my judgment. It pains me, but I must dismiss this case. This trial has been a disaster from the beginning. Saruman, you are free to go. The crowd began to gasp and murmur, but Saruman's voice rose above the chaos. Fools, all of you, you thought you had me beat. Ha, but alas, by your own folly I go free. Ah! <laughs> Justice for the taters! Justice for the taters! Justice for the taters! Beref, clear this courtroom! This courtroom owes an apology, Mandos. This court owes an apology. And just like that, it was over. The justice system failed yet again, and Saruman went free. But many years later, Saruman died mysteriously in Argentina. His body was found badly beaten. The murder weapon was found at the scene. One blood-drenched bag of potatoes. Wow, that was a lot of fun, guys. I hope you really liked that. They got him in the end. They got him. In yeah. Argentina, yeah, of all yeah, places. Yeah. Weird. The taters coming yeah. back to haunt you. Yeah. N- nuts that they only needed one bag of potatoes. Don't, don't fuck with those taters. Don't disrespect. Yeah. So, uh, some final thoughts about uh, Saruman the White. Yeah, final thoughts on Saruman. Let's get into it. So, he's another one of these dudes that were not a total dick in the beginning, but they just chose to, to be, be a dick. a dick. And that's usually through pride, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he, yeah, he was at one time clearly a mighty Maiar and had uh, goodwill toward the, the children of Ilavatar. Remember, he was one of their guardians in the beginning. Right. He volunteered to go help. Yeah, I mean, he was chosen for uh, an important deed, but ultimately, as we see all the time, Pride became his master. Yeah, he eventually caved and gave into evil because of this very Pride. And Sauron was too powerful for him to resist. And we have a uh, quick uh, final excerpt here from the Unfinished Tales, the Astari, read by Danny. And Kurunir, Saruman the White, fell from his high errand, and becoming proud and impatient and enamored of power, sought to have his own will by force, and to oust Sauron. But he was ensnared by that dark spirit mightier than he. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, the, the sort of points, like he's, you're saying that he's like nice in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but he eventually becomes evil. It, like so many of our assholes and our assholes throughout the ages trilogy. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. It, it almost kind of feels like potentially he's a product of his environment because like he starts off real nice, right? With all the good people and then mm-hmm. eventually he's neighbors with Sauron and kind of becomes an evil asshole. I mean, I think like, I don't know if I'd say he's a product of his environment. I mean, he definitely, he kind of is, but he didn't have to be as big of a dick as he was like he has some real personality flaws like pride he did, he did display the pride very early on and also paranoia is one of the big ones mm-hmm. i get s- super heavily from saruman is fucking paranoia pride and paranoia yeah this guy's paranoid like, as i shit. feel like those could kind of go hand in hand pretty easily too right like mm-hmm. yeah definitely. of course like if you have pride that you're better than everyone you're also worried that anyone could be better than you yeah heavy lieth the crown right, right? Yeah. Right. Like uh, it's almost like Saruman is. Um, he he starts off like totally good alignment, and then he slowly like slips uh, towards the dark. Like every single mm-hmm. moment of his existence, mm-hmm. and eventually ends there. He did show some characteristics of jealousy and contempt. Yes, Pretty jealousy, up. envy, early yeah. on before he even came to Middle Earth. Yeah, a lot of those so. uh, those things they teach you uh, to avoid in Sunday school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely uh, embodies some of the seven deadly sins. Definitely, yeah. absolutely. But that's that's about everything we've got for you guys today about Saruman. 
And that wraps up our assholes throughout the ages trilogy. Yay! We hope Woo! you guys really enjoyed that. We loved talking about these three assholes. Yeah, these were really fun episodes. I liked every one of them. And next week is our season six finale and also our 420 special. That's right. Episode 81, Tolkien on Drugs. Where we discuss drugs in Tolkien and uh, Tolkien's influence. On drug culture. On drug culture. Yeah. Hippies in Tolkien. That's right. They were good friends at Essentially, one point. It's, it's about hippies and Tolkien. going to be sick. I'm excited. Yeah. Can't wait. But thanks for listening to KOT. We want to give a big thank you to our patrons on Patreon. Um, subscribe to Patreon to help support us if you'd like. That's www.patreon.com slash KOT podcast. Yeah, subscribing can also unlock some exclusive uh, Patreon content. And if Patreon is uh, not your speed, maybe you're looking for a more one-time private donation, we can make that happen as well. We have PayPal and other services. Just contact us, and uh, we appreciate anything you're willing to offer. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That would be at www.whateverthatplaceis, you know, spotify.com forward slash keep on Tolkien, where you can stay up to date on new episodes. And uh, if you like us, please give us a rate or a like or a review, and uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, don't forget to check us out on all your favorite social medias. We're just about everywhere. We're on uh, Discord. There's a link in the description for that. We're on Twitter at KOT Podcast and Facebook. That's forward slash official Keep On Tolkien. Yeah, also follow us on Instagram, Instagram. at Keep On Tolkien Podcast. Why not? And don't forget to check out that new merch store with all the cool shit. Some of it made by Trevor himself. That's keep on tolkien podcasttmillcom Hell yeah. But as always, thanks again for listening, everybody. I am Joel N. I'm Danny J. I'm Trevor D. And we are... Keep, Keep on, on Tolkien! Tolkien. Our way in Tulava!